Oftentimes we think about what good can I do in a week-long service trip. And while I believe in those, while there's so much good, I think that might sometimes lead us not to ask the question, what ultimately though is the longer term plan after we leave, what remains? Who are the individuals that are there that are gonna be going to work and trying to make an impact and serving and loving long after we go? Welcome to the Jesus Storybook Bible Podcast place where we remind you that grace can rewrite any story, that hope shines a light through our darkest moments, and that God's love changes lives. Here's your host, New York Times bestselling author, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Hello, I'm Sally Lloyd-Jones, author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, which tells the story of God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Welcome to the show. When we hear about tragedies and natural disasters and famine in the world, we obviously want to help. But how? Is there a way to make a lasting impact, to truly alleviate poverty, to transform communities? And what is the difference between aid and relief? Our guest today has made it his life's work to answer these questions. Peter Greer, found his purpose as a student in the rubble of the Soviet Union empire. And the whole direction of his life changed when he was asked a single question by a Ukrainian pastor. It launched his career and eventually he founded Hope International. Hope has a beautiful mission. It's all about investing in dreams, equipping entrepreneurs and breaking the cycle of poverty. Hope brings hope back to the hopeless, accelerating the end of poverty in all its forms, whether it's spiritual, personal, social, or material. In other words, bringing shalom. Shalom is that beautiful Hebrew word which means peace, harmony, completeness, wholeness, thriving. Author Cornelius Plantinger described shalom like this. The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Hebrew prophets call shalom. We call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed. A state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann says, Shalom is not only an incredible gift, it is a most demanding mission. Peter Greer knows all about that demanding mission. One thing I love is that his mission is so clearly founded on a posture of humility and respect. It's based on listening and learning from those in need, on understanding their situations, to better serve them. His work has left him with the highest respect for those in crisis, to those in the poorest communities. He shares how they have taught him about the power of generosity and community. This is a powerful message of hope, and I know you'll be as inspired as I was. So, without further ado, please welcome my friend, and now yours, Peter Greer. 
My name is Peter Greer, and I'm president and CEO of Hope International. And in my spare time, I also am an author. Growing up, I was a pastor's kid, and we were involved in all kinds of different areas of service, and they really were formative and shaping. And yet, personally, a lot of those trips caused me to wonder, are we really making a lasting impact? We would go and help with a construction project, or we would do a distribution of some sort. Looking back at those moments, I think there was a question of, that is great, that is powerful, it's transformative for me, but what's the way to really break the cycle of intergenerational poverty? What's the way to really help individuals help themselves? And that's where I discovered these tools of business and investment as a way of helping individuals help themselves. When you look back on your life, you definitely can identify those moments that are turning points in your life. And for me, one of them was when I was studying in Moscow after the fall of the Soviet Union, and I was having lunch with an individual, and he started talking about poverty alleviation that was very much in alignment with my interests. He started talking about missions, which was very much in alignment with my interests. And then he also talked about economic development and job creation. And I had never heard someone articulate these three different areas, these three different interests that I had in one space. And I look back at that moment as the turning point, launching my career of trying to figure out how we use a business-based approach to alleviating extreme poverty through the tools of microenterprise development and doing it with an intentional and overt focus on pointing people to Jesus. So Hope International was founded after the fall of the Soviet Union, and it was with a home builder in Pennsylvania that had a desire to go and make an impact. After the fall of the Soviet Union, there was significant need, and so his church went, and they provided food and clothing, and they built buildings, and they provided ways of responding to the immediate crisis. But after two years of helping, the pastor that was in that community in Zaporozhye, Ukraine, he said something that really was the genesis of the founding of Hope International, but he said, isn't there a way you can help us help ourselves? And he started pointing out the ways that the aid had actually caused some unintended negative impacts in his community of dependency and challenge with distribution and not really reaching root causes. And so that really was the moment that said, how do we now transition from a time of relief to a time of development? How do we help the church take those next steps in growth? And that's where they discovered the power of investment, the power of job creation, and really doing it with that same heart to say, there are needs, let's respond, but to do it in a way that went beyond the immediate crisis. If we're not careful, we can look at the needs around the world, we can look at communities that are in poverty, and we can have this sense of, we've gotta go in and we've gotta solve all the problems. And I love the heart of compassion that that comes from, but if you take a step back, there's a question that we don't ask often enough, but the question of, and who is already there in that community? Who are the individuals that are already living in those communities, already working toward change? And what would it look like if we partnered with them and equipping them and supporting them and walking with them as they are solving these challenges? In some ways, we can have a pejorative way of looking at people in poverty and some of the lies of, well, why don't they just work a little harder? Or why don't they do this or that? Or if I were in that situation, surely I would do something differently. 
And at its root, I think that is a fairly arrogant approach. I have spent time in these communities and I have the highest level of appreciation and respect for individuals in places of extreme poverty who are working for change, who are loving and serving and are modeling generosity for me in a way that is absolutely humbling. I'll never forget this one time that I was with an individual and this was early on and ended up inviting him for a meal. And his immediate response was, would it be possible for me to bring some of my friends? This spirit of saying, who else can be brought in? How can something that I'm receiving be shared with others? And very much a different model from the individualistic society that I have grown up with to very much a sense of we are in this together. Community matters, relationship matters, family matters. I want to grow to become more like many of the individuals that I've been so privileged to get to know over the course of my career. If all we see in the world are the problems and we feel that there's nothing that can be done, there's nothing we can do, the problems are too big, they're too scary, that leads to a place of helplessness. It leads to a place of despondency. But I think there's a different approach, and it's to see the problems in our world, to say, yes, there are big and scary problems. Yes, there are complexities. But then hope comes from the actual belief that there is something that we can do. There is something that can be done. And even the most complex issues, it is possible to see progress. And that has been the joy of my life, to see places of poverty, to see complex problems, but also to meet and spend time with entrepreneurs that are working for a greater good, that are serving courageously, that are responding generously. Hope really takes root in those places. But ultimately, I believe hope is rooted in the greatest story that has ever been told, a story of God's redemption and love. I believe that is where true hope comes from. And one of my favorite books in the Old Testament is a prophet who had everything go wrong in the book of Jeremiah. He has all of these challenges, and yet he writes one of the most well-known phrases in the entire Bible, but he talks about a word of the Lord that says there is a hope and a future. And I find that mixture of, yes, the challenges were so real for Jeremiah, but he had a hope that was not dependent on his circumstance. He had a hope that was rooted in who he believed God was and a God who was present in pain, a God who invited him to keep faithfully sharing a message of hope. And I guess that is what I look at today when there are still many challenges, complex issues around the world, but the same God that Jeremiah served is the same God that I want to serve. That is ultimately where I believe our hope is anchored. Our family has read the Jesus Storybook Bible after dinner since the kids were young. We have it on audiobook as well, and the kids have listened to it at bedtime. It is woven into our family, and it is the most beautiful expression of the incredible story of Jesus. Every story whispers Jesus' name, and I have so much appreciation for the way that that brings Jesus to life for my kids. I think about the fact that for the first time in human history, we have the ability to receive information constantly. And if we're not careful, we are consuming a diet of information that shows challenge after challenge, what is wrong, what is broken. And in many ways, we can feel like the world is spinning out of control. But what I love about the Jesus Storybook Bible, what I love about the gospel itself is a reminder that God's love is greater. God has conquered death. Jesus is alive and invites us into the work of restoration. 
And so even though there are challenges, even though there are complexities in our world, hope is not lost. And we can look to the amazing story of Jesus. We can look to the story of Jesus's love, know that it was true in history and it is true today. And really from that foundation of receiving God's love, then that equips us to go and share God's love with others. So I think of no better story that has ever been told than the story that is contained in the Jesus Storybook Bible. Jesus said, coming home to God is as wonderful as finding a treasure. You might have to dig before you find it. You might have to look before you see it. You might even have to give up everything you have to get it. But being where God is, being in his kingdom, that's more important than anything else in all the world. It's worth anything you have to give up, Jesus told them. Because God is the real treasure. God had a treasure too, of course. A treasure that was lost long, long ago. What was God's treasure, his most important thing, the thing God loved best in all the world? God's treasure was his children. It was why Jesus had come into the world, to find God's treasure and pay the price to win them back. And Jesus would do it, even if it cost him everything he had. You can get the Jesus Storybook Bible wherever books are sold. To find out more about the book, and all of Sally's other books, please visit Sally at sallylloyd-jones.com and follow her on Instagram at sallylloydjones and at jesus underscore storybook underscore bible. Before we go, don't forget, God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Oh, hello, it's me again, Sally. I'm just popping back briefly to say two things. The first thing is, don't forget to subscribe to the show because that way you'll get the stories straight to your phone. And the other thing is, while we're at it, would you rate the show and leave us a review? That would be so great because it helps other people find the show too. I really appreciate your help. Thank you.